listening to the OKest Fisher Podcast, part of the OKest Podcast Network, featuring your hosts, Matt Strine and Greg Tubbs. Hey there, welcome back to the OKest Fisher Podcast. How are we doing, Matt? We're here. We are here. We are doing here. good. Yeah, that's good. Uh, been doing any fishing lately? No. As I, as I sit now, I have all of my turkey hunting stuff sitting next to me. So you and me both. I did look at the boat. I tore the front deck out of it to try and clean up some things and possibly reupholster the front deck because it's kind of wearing thin. Um, and maybe even relocate the nifty new X2 batteries we've got for the mm-hmm. boat to the front, from the rear to the front, to try and balance things out, particularly when we're salmon trolling. So not necessarily anything to do with the performance of the boat while inland water fishing, but it might help balance things out. I don't know. They're pretty big batteries, and I don't have a lot of room unless I tear the live well out. So there's a dilemma. <laughs> decisions need to be made <laughs> decisions need to be made and uh we're just going to press pause on it and think about it for a few days before we do something drastic <laughs> <laughs> probably the smartest idea yeah mm-hmm. you know on any other given year i've managed to make it out at least by good friday to go chase some sort of panfish if i wasn't chasing walleyes i'd be chasing panfish you know why you haven't? Because we started a podcast it's exactly about fishing. Why. Yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> People want to listen to guys who go out and fish. And here we're just talking about it. It's, it's kind of. <laughs> we will get out. We, we will get we'll out. We'll get there. We'll get there. But my approach was always, you know, it was always shore based fishing because, you know, at that point, either I didn't have a boat or I just. I wasn't ready to put the boat in the water. Just didn't didn't have the time or didn't have somebody to help me get it in the water because it's a big boat. But it, you'd be foolish not to take advantage of the shore-based fishing opportunities that you have in your area. And you'd be surprised how many you have once you start seeking them out. Well, exactly. That's how I still cut my teeth unless I find a buddy with a boat that wants to take me out. Wink, wink. It's all, not. yep. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we got a couple of lakes around here that have ditches and canals that come off of them. Um, they have marshy areas, you know, so a lot of cattail with, with running water or holding, you know, holding water around them. It's fishable. So, I mean, by any means necessary, you know, walk it, bike it, put the canoe, kayak, even even that way you could do it. But it's always kind of fun just to go simple, go real, real easy, and, you know, a couple of fishing poles, small bag full of gear, and a bucket or a cooler with some red worms. I always like using red worms. Heck, I even just dig around in the leaf piles left over from winter from last fall, and if they're good and wet, and the weather's decent, you'll find all sorts of red worms in there. Uh-huh. So, and those are bluegill candy. I think. Speaking of, speaking of bluegill candy, mm-hmm. what are we talking about tonight? <laughs> well. <laughs> see what I did there? Yeah, I see what you did there. I, I goofed it up and didn't, didn't really do a very good job of introing what we're talking about. 
Uh, <laughs> we're talking panfish. I mean, who doesn't like to panfish? I feel like it's the entry into fishing, and then you kind of fall away from it for a little bit because you want to chase everything else. Yeah. And then you always end up in your later years of fishing coming back to it. I There's would, just something simple and easy and enjoyable about it. Yeah, I think you get tired of getting your head kicked in by muskies, by picky walleyes, by smallmouth, whatever it is, you know, and you go, you know, I remember how much fun I used to have chasing bluegills, watching a bobber disappear. Mm-hmm. There's just something about it. And it's uh, a lot cheaper than a lot of those other. It is. <laughs> <laughs> It can be cheaper. You don't need anything fancy. As long as you can put some, I don't know, six to eight pound test mono. Some guys, you know, go a little bit more into it. I've got a couple of rigs where I'll run four pound or I'll run uh, braid for for some of the setups. All depending. But monofilm is just easy to work with. You don't have to know any special, real special knots. Uh, You know, four to six pound test monofilament on an ultralight rod and reel. That's something you don't have to spend a lot of money on, break the bank to do, especially if you've got kids involved. Because let's be honest, if you've got kids involved, you really don't want to spend a lot of money on tackle for that because it will end up either in the lake or broken. Mm-hmm. That's where the Moana poles and the Mickey Mouse poles and the Snoopy poles. So you should come with that cute little bait box on the side with you know, a handful of hooks and sinkers and some other stuff. You're set. It is. It, it, it's perfect for that. And then you can really geek out and have one bag like I do (laughs) all set up for it. Different weights of jigs, all sorts of sinkers, um, you know, slip bobbers, different weights. I mean, you can get just as crazy with it as you could with uh, slip floating for trout. Mm -hmm. Just on way lighter lighter rod setups and everything like that. But, yep. Yeah. Getting back to it, shore base fishing, I mean, you find those first areas that start to warm up. You know, ice is coming off. It's been off probably for about a month here in our area. And I think the the water temp was getting pretty close to 50. We had that 80-degree week here, mm-hmm. and everybody was out. And I know guys are out on the Madison chain and hitting those shallower areas where it's a muddier bottom, so it warms up quicker. Usually, you know, your northern ends of the lake, if there's darker bottom, like a muddy bottom with some cattails by it, that's going to be your first areas to start warming up because the sun's beating on it at all times, being the north end of the lake. Um, or even like a southern area of the lake sometimes too. That that ends up being like my lake here. That's all mucky bottom. That's all cattail marsh around it. And uh, it, it's the first area to... to really get decent warm-up. So with that, you hit those areas. Again, probably your first four to four to one to four feet of water, and you should be able to find some fish that are willing to bite on red worms with either a plain hook and a little sinker and just like a rocket bob, you know, one of those rocket bobbers that pinch right on the line, just a, a mm-hmm. grip on. You don't even have to go barrel swivel and and, and uh, slip bobber for that. You're fishing shallow, you don't need all that extra stuff. So this this time of year, are you actually finding fish that shallow this early? 
there were guys catching fish out on the Madison chain already. Super, super, super shallow. shallow. Yep. And they were, if they weren't getting their hook muddy in some spots, they weren't catching fish. Also tight on the bottom where the warmth was. Yep. Um, but I've also had it too in years past that that 8 to 12 feet is really good for nice big bluegills. And we're a ways away from bluegills spawning. Mm-hmm. Perch have already spawned. You know, perch perch usually go from 35 to 65 degree water temps. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the fish I think are done they're definitely done spawning on the Mississippi and those backwater tributaries. Mm-hmm. They they're all they're all finished up. Uh, fish in Green Bay might be a little pretty close to the same, but they they spawn you know in a pretty wide uh, range of temperature. The next fish that we're going to start seeing hit beds is going to be the crappie. Yep, that's a we would always target from shore is the crappie. Yeah, and we used to have a good crappie run here too until the internet. <laughs> kind of took things over. <laughs> Everybody found out about it, and uh, they cleaned out a lot of crappies in in the shallow ditches and and uh, feeder creeks around here. Mm-hmm. So, but it used to be it was nuts going into some of those places, shoulder to shoulder, guys fighting over territory to catch fish. It used to be that good. No, is that that's that sixty degree temp, if I'm not mistaken, right in that area. Yeah, sixty four to sixty eight is what they say, but I think you know, if a if a crappie starts swimming around at sixty two, they're they're thinking about it. They're in there. So yep. I think once you start seeing that low sixties water temperatures, you better be out there looking to chase them down with some more than likely with some minnows, uh, you know, crappie minnows or. If you want to just Mr. Mister Twisters, Twisters or yeah. little, little so, you know, soft plastic. Little soft plastics, yep. Gulp, yep. you name it. There's there's a lot of different things out there. Um, I even got those little crappie craws. Those work really good. Mm-hmm. Crappies like them. I mean, just tiny little jig head and just cast them out there. You can put them under a bobber. You can just cast them and retrieve them. Um, that Kalen's crappie scrub, I really like that one because it's got two little tails that kick on it. And uh, they, a little frog action, little frog action, and they seem to like that a lot. And you'll catch other fish on it as well. I've caught some pretty big uh, pumpkin seeds on it too. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. I noticed. I noticed when the temp, uh, they're not in shallow yet spawning, but when they're, like you said, it starts to hit that sixty, getting a little higher than that. I love fishing that time of year because I feel like every couple of degrees they go from the deeps, they'll move a little bit closer. Every next five degrees they're in. 15 foot of water the next five degrees they're in 10 foot of water yep and i like i like casting out you know offshore into that 10 12 foot with that plastic you know little paddle tail or mr twister or leaving a little beetle spin and literally just slow rolling it so it's going right through that first patch of weeds and it's i've had days where it's you got sick of catching them because every cast you caught one every cast you caught one sick of catching them Oh, I'm sick of taking the. Oh, just oh, there, there is one of those guys. Uh, I gotta take another one off. I gotta get my hands slimy. They poke me. Yeah, it is, we were we were catching the wrong size class too, so that didn't yeah. help. We were catching like the four to six inch ones. Like, yeah, those are the ones you need to put back in the lake for another year or two, probably two, and they're they're getting they're gonna get close to that size. But 
I don't know. I always caught them, kept them if they're 10, 10 inches or bigger. Mm-hmm. I, I seem to get a pretty nice fillet out of a 10 inch or bigger crappie. And then try what's the cutoff usually? We don't keep the super tanker ones, the 14 and above. Yeah, I have but, a hard time wanting to keep one that big. I mean, you get a nice fillet out of it, obviously, but you kind of want to see that fish keep stay in the lake and get bigger. Yep. Good old crappies. Yeah, yeah it's, um, I'm looking forward to that one. But. Yeah, it's going to come here soon, and I think it'll happen real quick. Probably when we're out turkey hunting, we should be out fishing the same time. Uh, we're expecting a warm-up here towards the end of the week. I think we're going to see highs in the 60s again, which is good. Uh, but it's not going to get that water temp where we need it unless we have some sunny days. And No, but I feel like we got a nice jump start, though. You know, we're not at that 39, 40 degrees anymore. Right, right. That's true. I might have to run down to the lake and throw my little thermometer in there and see see where we're at. But something tells, me, something tells me we're in, like, high 40s after that cool down we had. And that rain didn't help any either. Rain but. and snow and all the other fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, crappie, you know, crappie will spawn at 64 to 68. Every lake's different, obviously, like my area, and even, like, where you're fishing them, it's a – it's not a real deep, it's not a clear water lake. They're, they're you know, muddy or stained water lakes, so they will warm up faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some weed growth in there, so that also helps things warm up. But if you're looking at clear water lakes, clear water lakes are a, kind of a different animal. They're, they can be tougher to fish, especially if they don't have a lot of weeds in them. They're more rocky. Uh, those fish will spawn all the way 20 feet down. You know, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll spawn on a 20-foot flat, but it, and it takes the, the water temperature a little longer to get up where it needs to be, too. You know, it seems like the clear water lakes, the, like the gin clear ones, are two to three weeks behind At least. everything else. Yeah, they certainly do. And it's tough to fish because literally those fish see everything. So, <laughs> like, your line, your boat you talking, you waving uh-huh. your hands on top of the boat, whatever. <laughs> I feel like they can they have binoculars, they can just see everything. Yeah, they, and if they've <clears throat> they've they've been fished before, they they know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Well, from there, the next fish to probably spawn is is the rock bass and the bluegills, and, you know, and those fish, both of those fish, like rock bass are sixty to seventy two degrees, so you're looking at maybe in our area. May to June, depending on how the weather weather works out. You know, this year I would expect we're probably going to see them more into June. You'll see them up up in the shallows, up in the sandbars and things, uh, making beds and chasing everything that you throw past them. With with that temperature being so close to crappies, is there some competition for bedding areas? Uh, there could be. I guess it depends on the lake. Uh, like this lake here, I usually don't see rock bass in that marshy area where i catch the uh, the crappies and the bluegills i they stick to the main lake it seems like you know they come up through the rocky sandy stuff and they seem uh-huh. to like that a little better where crappies are more on the weed beds yeah they like huh. they like having some weeds around um but they also they don't turn away sand and gravel either like <laughs> rock bass so kind of a contradicting answer i suppose but, well, it's something, it's something you don't hear a lot of people targeting. No, you don't. That's why I was bringing it up. Is So, 
and it's a love hate relationship with a lot of people in rock bass, right? Like people, oh, so it's all fun and games till you catch a rock bass. <laughs> but fillet one once, fillet one out, and if you don't like it, I'm really surprised that you wouldn't like them because they they fillet. Some people say they taste better than bluegills. I think they're right on par with bluegills. Um, they do have a little bit of a a bony, uh, you know, they got a, a strip of bones in them that you got to cut out just like you would a walleye or even a crappie, a bigger crappie mm-hmm. fillet. You still got to take that little strip of bones out. You should anyway. Um, but they're good eating, and they're, like, you can throw bass plastics and catch them. Oh, yeah. They want they'll bite, bite big. They'll bite, yeah, they'll they, bite big stuff. They will bite big stuff. I'm sure you've had it where you're out wanting to catch smallmouth or walleye or something, and it never fails. You throw a leech on, and everything hits a leech, even big bluegills. But rock mm-hmm. bass love leeches. They, they love crappie minnows. They'll eat anything. Yeah, they like spinnerbaits. They like, yes. I mean, Crank those bass. are always the bycatch of, you know, bass tournaments is me catching rock bass. Uh-huh. <laughs> And they're usually good size ones too when they whack something like that. Yeah, and it's really sad because you don't appreciate them. Like if if I'm fishing a bass tournament and I catch one of those and it's like a pound and a half, like just this giant rock bass, I'm like, oh, it's not a largemouth. And I just throw it back in the water. I'm like, man, I should have really taken a picture of that guy. Yeah. Because that was actually really big. <laughs> yep. I've had them hit uh, four-inch swim baits. Um, biggest one I caught out of the lake here was a 13-incher. That's that's a pretty, pretty big rock that's- bass. That's a tank. Yep, and then right behind it, but this is in late summer, right by, right after that, the second cast, I caught a 12-inch crappie. Hmm. Same swim bait. Same area? Same area. Ish. So they do they do commingle. They, they, they do exist. <laughs> <laughs> yep, they do, they do coexist together. So at least they weren't arguing in my live will. So that got no, that that's, yeah. that's good. Yeah. <laughs> But from there, bluegills. Everybody loves bluegills. Why wouldn't you? They are the gateway drug, the little blue pill. Little, <laughs> little pumpkin seed pill. Little, yeah. little pumpkin seed pill. <laughs> Gotta love them. Um, those guys, 67 to 80 degrees. I've caught them on beds as late as 4th of July even. Yep, same. It, it all depends on the depth of water, and you get different groups of fish, and if you got a really good good size lake where you have essentially different generations or groups of fish. You'll get some that'll spawn out on those deeper humps. If that's where they like to exist is out in the deeper water, which we have a, a pretty good population of fish that like deeper water here. Uh, they'll spawn in July yet. But and the gin, the gin clear lakes, that'll yeah. be July too. Yeah, exactly. But, and that's where you're, you're going to be targeting them with slip bobbers. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Bluegills, I always run slip bobbers just because where I catch them in that 12 or 8 to 12 foot range, I usually catch them all the way into June that way. Now, I can probably go down in the marsh and find some, but they're not going to be as big. That's just been my experience. The bigger fish seem to be in the deeper weed beds where the sand is just right for them and uh, they've got good protection from predators like pike and big largemouth, which we have those in our lake mm-hmm. and possibly other fishermen who maybe don't know how to get their baits down into the, into the weeds <laughs> to catch them. Uh, but those fish like to stay in that. We'll call it six foot to out to 20 foot. 
we've caught we've caught females i've caught fish spawning in that six to eight foot range and then just kind of wear that area out kick out to a hump that's maybe 20 feet deep and catch bigger females full eggs still out in that 20 foot of water on the same day so you hmm. get fish in different progressions of their spawning it basically comes down to finding them yes like like with every type of species fishing you gotta you gotta find them yeah i mean and obviously you're out of the game if you don't have a boat or a canoe or a kayak or something to get out into that deeper water but but there's out there's going to be fish in it's a bell curve yes you know during the spawn 80 percent of the fish are going to be in the shallows but there's always those outliers where there's some are going to be out in 35 feet because they don't feel like coming in shallow to spawn or whatever the case may be. But there's always uh, that. So there's always that shore fishing can always be good, no matter what. No matter what. And, you know, fish in the earliest part of the season, it almost seems like, for me anyway, if I'm fishing like right now, we're, we're middle to end of April. Morning fishing can be kind of tough until the sun comes up and starts to warm things up, and all of a sudden the fish start to warm up, and they get hungry, and then they start biting. And then they they go really good until about 1, 2 o'clock, and then there's a little bit of a lull depending on boat traffic and, and you know, if the wind is picked up, if the clouds have come out. It always has an, an effect on things early in the spring, but. I usually get a little bit of a lull mid-afternoon, and then like 3 o'clock on to dark it seems to be a pretty good bite. Yep, the evening bite. Yep, the good old evening bite. And that that's true, I think, with every species. I mean, we've noticed that. Yeah, I, I always feel like midday, like whether it be bass tournament, musky tournament, just open water fishing for whatever you're fishing for, midday, if you want to catch fish, you got to go deep. Or for bass sakes, underneath piers, in lily pads, or they got some protection from that that stuff. But I think panfish do the same. Maybe not on that big of a scale. They may dip back into the, you know, the ten foot deep weeds or something. It, it varies by lake, you know. And this is where we're gonna say, go out and do some some hunting for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's easy to pull up on a spot and throw anchor and just sit there, or hit spot lock if you if you have that cool feature that we don't. but don't be afraid to to hunt them down just like you would bass you know you can you can fish a spot out pretty quickly we do it all the time i mean we'll we'll get on a spot we'll pick up five six seven fish and all of a sudden it'll shut off and someone changes the color of jig they'll still use a red worm but they'll change jig color and boom boom all of a sudden the, the green one is working and the yellow one's not you pick up a few more fish and then it dies again. All right, either we got to like move around this spot and fish it from a different angle with different colored jigs, maybe throw a leech in there just for something different, or we got to find another spot. Usually I will go on to another spot, so I kind of leave that spot alone for next time. Maybe next time will be the following week or something, or I won't ever make it back there. I'll find another spot in the lake. The lake's big, so use all that water. Mm-hmm. And those fish naturally, you know, will replenish themselves and everything like that. Do 
so we were kind of talking a little bit before crappies. Um, we use like artificial baits for too, along with minnows. Do you do the same thing for bluegills or is it strictly live bait? Cause I've never had much luck with, uh, maybe some accidental catches on artificials with bluegills, but yeah, my luck with bluegills has never been really great with plastics solely. I've done like, Little cubby jig, if you're familiar with that. It's a tiny yeah. little wire jig head, which those jig heads I always use no matter what. Uh, my favorite bait shop sells them different colors, different sizes. I use this, you know, from eighth ounce all the way down to three thirty second ounce. But the little cubby jigs always work really good. I think towards that June time frame when the water's up there, you know, higher 60s, almost 70 degrees, they seem to they'll hit that in springtime. If I'm going to use those, I use the smaller ones, and I will tip it with a little piece of red worm, or you can use wax worms too. I always have the best luck with red worms, and if I'm going to fish a really big bait, I'll use a plain octopus hook, almost like I'm walleye fishing, and mm-hmm. I will use a medium to large leech. You'd be surprised. How many big bluegills will hit that? You will catch no. bass and pike, but you'll catch some really whopper bluegills. So that actually leads me to a question I didn't think I had. You think of bluegill fishing, you say small is, you know, three thirty seconds, quarter ounces, smaller stuff. But you just said big. What's your definition of big for bluegill? Yeah, that would be that medium to large size leech like you would use for walleyes. Okay, so that, you know, three-and-a-half, four-inch yeah, leech. three-inch leech, three to three-and-a-half inch, four-inch leech. Same jig, or are you running a bigger jig for I'm your actually, presentation that I way? I would either run a bigger jig, or I would actually run it on an octopus hook. Okay. Like a number four, a four or a six. They can still get it in their mouth, and you'd be surprised how a 10-inch bluegill will take down a walleye-sized leech large leech that's crazy it's crazy they do that but then you don't get them to hit on artificial stuff they man leeches are like candy for everything yeah that's true that's true i mean i I wouldn't say it's cheating because well it is i've seen some pretty big small malls pretty much poached off of beds in door county like everybody's throwing shad wraps and Ned rigs and all sorts of stuff at them. They won't hit. And then one guy that's got like magically three leeches left in his bucket goes over there <laughs> on a Lindy rig, throws it in front of the bass and you watch the bass just go and Hoover it up and swim away. And then all of a sudden he's, he's got it on, you know, I've witnessed that multiple times up there. <laughs> yeah. And then of course he's on six pound test line and it's, uh, it's taking him for everything he's got. Yeah, nice six pound smallmouth. Mm-hmm. Gotta love him. <laughs> yeah, they. It's really surprising, you know. That's kind of my little ace in the hold is, I will always have leeches in the boat with me when I'm targeting bluegills, just for the fact that like it, it it's something different. It's a change up bait, and usually, unless they're you get into a, a you know a school of aggressive tater chips. Uh, you're going to be most of the time hooking into bigger, bigger gills. 
you know, that eight and a half to 10 plus incher. Because let's be honest, we don't want to be ripping lips off tater chips the whole time. (laughs) This is true. Um, I had one other question for you that I'm literally blanking on right now. Oh, so this may not be a spring tactic, but we're talking panfish, and I have to ask, when I was younger, way back in the day, I'm almost positive it was a Lindy's fishing show that I watched, and they were catching bluegills on top water. Where, was it a was it like a little popper, like a tiny little pop R, or what was it? I, I believe it was almost like a fly popper. Okay. Something to that, and <clears throat> I saw that, and then I'm like, oh, my man, they, they can catch it. So I, I, I tried. I never had anything to bite it whatsoever. I don't know if that was a myth or if they were in a stocked pond or what, but coolest sure. thing in the world. Figured I'd pick your brain about it. Sure. So when I was a kid, my dad had a very good friend that had a place on a very, very popular lake in our area. Extremely popular. Like, I don't even know how there's fish left in it. It's been fished so hard. But he would go out there with a fly rod, and he actually had these little foam poppers. Actually, I think the the little heads were made of cork. They were teeny tiny, like they were trout bait. And he would throw those, and everything would hit them. Bluegills from potato chip size all the way up to good size, you know, hand-sized bluegills. Rock bass would hit them. Smallmouth would hit them. Large mouth would hit him and usually break him off because he had two pound tippet on. So, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna stand a chance against a, a two pound large mouth, two to four pound large mouth, and just break you right off. Mm-hmm. But he would hook everything with it, and that's the only time I've experienced like good top water action. Just watching somebody catch him was with a fly rod, little black popper. What what time of year was that? That was probably June. At least oh, even, so, there was a lot of fish in the shallows, you know, they would school in and school out. It's yeah. like middle to end to spawn almost then. Yeah. Yeah. At least. Hmm. Interesting. Might have to throw that one in the in the trick book this year to see if we can't get a see if we can get, a, bite. get get one to get one on a popper. On a popper on a fly rod. Or on the Disney rod. We could do that. I have the little bubble floats that we could pull a fly behind the bubble float. Perfect. Yes. Challenge accepted. Let's make it even more difficult. Okay. Why not? <laughs> we got a lot of challenges. I better get that boat put back together so uh, we can try and get out fishing. We need to get out. Yes, we do. We got to make it through turkey season first. Yeah, man. Do you got a, a gobbler tied up somewhere? Uh, we've done a little bit of scouting. I should say my brother-in-law has. We've had other things going on at the family stuff. But, yeah, I'm hoping to take care of that real quick from my period. And you're you're up next here. I am. I'm the next up to bat in the OKS crew. Yes, you are. And then I go right after you. So uh, let's make it happen. Let's do it so let's we can get, get to some fishing. Yeah, we got to get to some fishing. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you more than you'll ever know. 